In honor of our intern, Garen, who is uh, leaving us after a three-week stint here on the Watchdog Morning Show, we let her pick the bumper music today, and she said, all Led Zeppelin all the time. So it's, uh, we're, let the lead out. we're letting the lead out this morning here on the program. 821-21 after the hour. We spend, Bob, a lot of time on this show, uh, to the point that I sometimes get criticized. I get criticized by the governor's office and others, but even the listeners say, oh, my God, why do you talk so much about Governor Justice and his finances and his family? And today we're talking about his health. Uh, well, he's the governor, and he's running for the U.S. Senate. And I mean, I think it's a pretty important thing to talk about, and he seems to be the odds-on candidate to win the Republican nomination. So we spend tons and tons of time talking about it on the show. We've had Stephen Adams on with us multiple times, and, and Brad McElhenney and Mark Curtis, and, and uh, you know, this is what we do. But there is a missing component that we never, ever talk about. We talk about Manchin and Mooney. I'm not Manchin. Well, we do talk about Manchin, but we talk about uh, Justice and Mooney. We talk about all of these things with Justice. We very rarely hear a perspective from the Democrats because they kind of get lost in the shuffle anymore. So I thought I'd ask Mike Pushkin, who is the chair of the state Democratic Party, to come and join us this morning and offer some perspective. Mike, good morning, sir. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Uh, thanks for having me on. And first, I'd like to uh, commend uh, the staff and the intern there for your excellent choice in uh, bumper music. <laughs> I knew I knew that it was going to work well with you. <laughs> Mike is, in addition well, to being a delegate and also the chair of the Democratic Party, uh, he is a musician. And uh, last night when I was talking to you, texting with you, you, you said, I can't talk, I'm on stage. Were you performing or were you politicizing on stage? Uh, perform. Actually, uh, it's, it's rare these days that I was actually playing music. Somebody actually, you know, act, asked me to come play music in their uh, in their pub last night. So, yeah, I was playing music at the time. And I tell you, um, you know, I, I was a Led Zeppelin fan a long, long time ago. As a child, I think that was probably the reason why I, picked up the guitar in the first place was because of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Garen, you called it. You called it. Well, Mike, let's talk politics. Let's put the guitar down now, if that's okay <laughs> with you. And uh, let's talk about, about politics. Uh, the Governor Justice story, you know, the governor asked us in the media a few weeks ago, or last week, to step back and to leave his family alone. And and it's not that big a deal because, you know, the family is dealing with his financial problems. How big a deal do you see that to be? Well, which deal are you talking about? I mean, can we <laughs> narrow it down? I mean, it's, you know, every other day there's just a, uh, a horrible story uh, about uh, whether his campaign or his, his family's business that was never put in a blind trust. And I believe that's why it's fair game because – uh, you know, most people, when, when people come from the business world and then and then uh, get elected to higher office, uh, they put their business in a blind trust, so there's no uh, conflict of interest, and these these horrible types of stories don't don't follow them around. But uh, I mean, where should we start? Um, I guess the most recent one would be the uh, you know a hundred. Uh, justice-owned properties auctioned off, uh, being auctioned off on the courthouse steps because of failure to pay taxes. Uh, and you know, you're talking about money that goes to pay for roads uh, for these counties. It goes to pay for their public schools. Uh, it goes to pay for uh, you know protection through law enforcement to pay their first responders. I mean, this is the governor is supposed to be uh, you know helping these counties, not harming them. Um, by stepping him when it comes to paying the the, the, business, the uh, property taxes for his business, um, yeah, there's that story. Now, this let, let's just let's just stop for that one. Yeah, we'll, let's, we'll get to the other. Let's pause. With, let's just pause with that one for a second. 
philosophically, that is an important deal. He doesn't pay property taxes, and those are things that help support the counties in which it is. Here's the question I have been asking, and we talked about it a bit yesterday on this show, Mike. The total value, the total received for those hundred, a little under a hundred properties, seventy-five thousand dollars. Why would the governor not just pay those taxes for no reason other than just to keep it out of the public eye, to keep people like me and you and the other reporters from talking about it? It's such a small amount of money compared to the big debts that he owes. I don't get why he just wouldn't have paid those just just to keep us from talking about it. Well, it seems to be part of his business model. He doesn't pay taxes. He doesn't pay vendors. Uh, he didn't pay the premiums. His companies, did, they did not pay the premiums for six years for union coal miners that were uh, you know, working in his coal mines, working in his coal operations. He, he let their, their insurance lapse for six years. And now, this is different from you know, whether he's going to stiff the government or stiff another, exactly. another business. Yeah, he's stiffing the hard-working uh, men and women that work in his mines. Yeah, and God forbid something should happen and, they, and their insurance is lapped. They can't get health care because you know, Big Jim's companies uh, you know, didn't pay their premiums. Now, he couldn't afford to run for Senate, even though he's, he has gotten an extension on, on his campaign finances where he's not showing that. Uh, I think a court just recently ordered that he did have to show his his finance his you know his business finance in in regards to a, right. another debt that he had where he claimed he, he claimed he that because court. I'm a I'm running for senate I don't have to give that information the, the judge said well that doesn't make any sense no it makes absolutely no sense and what what it begs to question is what does he have to hide why did, why would it why would uh, being transparent hurt his chances of running for senate unless there was something there that he wanted to hide and these are all relevant issues. And these are, and for him to tell, ask the media to take a step back and leave him alone, you know, because he's running for Senate, that's just that's ridiculous. There's going to be even a brighter light uh, shined upon uh, these issues with the governor uh, because he is stepping up to the national stage. He should he should expect it. No offense uh, to all of us. He should have got his ducks in a row first. Should have paid his taxes. Should have paid his workers and his insurance premiums. He he. Uh, uh, should have paid uh, these other fines and debts that he owes. No offense to those of us in the statewide media, my fine friends like Stephen Adams and uh, and uh, Brad McElhinney and ourselves and so on. No offense to us. But if he thinks that we're a problem, wait until he gets on the national stage. Wait until he, let's assume, that he becomes a nominee, or even that he's running for the nomination, he is says he's going to, get close to the election. When you start getting the New York Times guys or the Washington Post guys looking at his uh, finances, we're going to look like baby dolls uh, compared to what happens with the New York Times or some of the other national media. Well, um, I believe they're already looking. And there was a story, another story was in regards to the, um, you said baby doll, well, in regards to the baby, baby dog, dog. <laughs> where the, the first batch of, of COVID relief money, the, the you know, CARES Act, um, that he sat on for over, over, well over a year, about a year and a half before they were spending the relief money, and then spent it by having this, uh, you know, baby dog sweepstakes to give away trucks and cars. Like we all love the dog, we all love new trucks and cars, uh, but it was supposed to encourage people to get vaccines. It didn't work. Uh, we, it, was, it didn't encourage people to get vaccinated. But what it did do is put a lot of money in, in the in the pockets of some of his friends that own car dealerships. And I mean, they were paying uh, far over the market value for these new trucks or cars, it looks like. And who, who decided which car dealers uh, got this kind of deal? 
uh, that was in the national news. Um, yeah, and, 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 and possibly and a federal investigation into this. Despite the governor and his um, campaign spokesman and his chief of staff's effort to try and downplay that that, that federal investigation, and maybe investigation is not the right word. I don't know what word you use, but there is no question that it, that, that uh, records have been subpoenaed. And the federal government is looking into it. Now, I don't know exactly what comes of that. And maybe it's not looking into justice himself. Maybe it's more in the car dealers. But there is clearly a federal look at what's happening and what has happened here in West Virginia. And that's that's going to that's going to bode poorly for him. I think the question is, who chose the car dealers? Why did they pay so much more than what the cars were worth? Um, And. You know, was it an effect? I mean, first of all, on a policy level, was it really effective in getting people vaccinated? It wasn't. And, and was that the correct use of, uh, of federal relief money? Uh, I think most people would say, you know, is federal relief money supposed to be used for uh, a car and truck sweepstakes that really uh, pads the pockets of, of some of our local car dealers? Uh, that and who knows? Maybe they, maybe they're political political donors. I don't know. That's what those are the questions that need to be answered. One of the issues that I think has gotten lost in the shuffle and all this talk about, you know, he owes money to Credit Suisse and he owes money to Carter Bank and he owes uh, back taxes and back fines to the federal government and so on. And you pointed this out a few minutes ago. What kind of get lo- gets lost? Because, because, Mike, let's be honest about it. The general public kind of we understand people who get behind in loan payments, all right? Even if it's millions of dollars, we, we kind of get that. We get nobody likes to pay taxes or fine, you know, so I get that. But what what's getting lost in the shuffle is how people are involved in this. And right now, as you point out, just one example came out this week is this health care premiums, not paying health care premiums. That's not some nameless bank or a nameless insurance company even. That is affecting Working men and women in West Virginia who are going to be without health care because their premiums haven't been paid. And I think the impact on people is what's been kind of missing in the conversation here. Uh, I agree completely. You know, when you're talking about vendors, maybe people don't realize it, but that's, you know, a lot of these are small businesses, too. They're, you know, they're forced to go down to the courthouse steps and, or and declare bankruptcy because justices' companies are refusing to pay them, and then they settle for 50 cents on the dollar, and that's just been Jim Justice's business model his entire career. But when you're talking about uh, you know, the failure to pay the uh, insurance premiums uh, for coal miners, then you are really talking about real uh, working West Virginia families that are that are being hurt by his like I said, it's, it's, it's his business model. This is what he's been doing for years, and it does hurt real people, and, and it should be talked about. All right, but don't take this the wrong way. What difference does it make to you? Democrats have no dog in this uh, hunt anyways, right? Well, we've always been uh, the party that uh, looks out for working people. We want people to be able to get access to health care. God forbid they get sick. Uh, we want people to earn a living wage. We like to support small businesses, and his uh, what you know his practice, the practices of his family business have been antithetical to everything we stand for. Uh, so yeah, I mean I I want to, I, I want to see people treated fairly. I want to see people get a living wage. I want to see people uh, have access to health care. So yeah, it offends me. Mike, let's let's talk about where the Democrats are going or likely to go. I mean we've got. 
uh, I don't know how many, half dozen candidates running for governor already, all Republicans in the Republican primary. We've got the two big candidates in the U.S. Senate race, Ju uh, Justice and Mooney. Tons of attention being paid on that. Got Manchin here on the outside saying he's not ready to make a decision yet, so we're just not quite sure what he's going to do. But his name's the only Democrat that has a chance that we seem to think might be jumping into this race. Otherwise, I mean, do you, do you, do you as the chair of the Democratic Party, have, a, have any sense that there's going to be any Democrat that's going to make a, a serious run at these things? Or are we just going to have to try and get the least offensive Republican? No, we're definitely we're not voting in the uh, in the Republican primary. I think they're going to have an incredibly uh, messy primary, a very costly primary, and I wouldn't rule Alex Mooney out of that U.S. Senate primary. I think that he has surprised a few surprised a few people a few years ago. I think people up in your neck of the woods uh, probably thought McKinley was going to hold on to that seat. That's yeah. not what happened. Uh, so I wouldn't rule him out, but uh, this is far from an endorsement of him. Uh, I don't agree with him on 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 anything at all. But we're gonna we're recruiting candidates, and of course it's early in the process. I mean, generally it's closer to Labor Day when you start hearing these announcements, not before Memorial Labor Day of Day last year. Yeah, right. yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the Republicans have come out early because they're jockeying for position to what's going to uh, looking like is going to be incredibly messy and uh, you know a lot of primary full of mudslinging, and they're going to be going all out, and and we're going to. We're working on recruiting a full slate of of uh, quality candidates and, and giving West Virginians choices uh, up and down the ballot. And we're going to keep fighting. And uh, you know, but we're not going to win if we don't put people up. And we are uh, we are having a lot of conversations. And you're going to be hearing more announcements as the later we get in the summer, uh, from the top of the ticket to the bottom of the ticket. And while we're talking about the the Democratic Party, I would be remiss if I didn't. Uh, give a shout out to our our newly elected vice chair. Just um, I believe in early May we had uh, a vacancy to fill for, uh, as a, for the vice chair of the Democratic Party when uh, right. uh, Delegate Danielle Walker had to step down to take a, a job with the uh, West Virginia ACLU, and um, the executive committee uh, elected uh, Wheeling's own Teresa Torseva right. as our new vice chair. So somebody that. Your listeners uh, know and love up in the Wheeling area, and, and uh, an attorney who's been fighting for working people her entire career can now expand upon that role and fight for working people as the uh, as the vice chair of the Democratic Party. The party is supposedly taking on a, a new and more aggressive look, a younger look, um, beginning with your uh, election as chairman. Uh, you now have Ryan Frankenberry as the, I don't know what the title is, executive director, but he's kind of the day-to-day -day operation of the party. Teresa's the executive director. Yeah. Teresa's in there. So the party is taking on a, on a new look. Uh, I heard from Democrats for years prior to the last couple of years that the, that the party was stuck in the mud, that the party was just stuck in the mud uh, under Manchin's control, too many old folks just not willing to... To, to reach out to newcomers. Do, do you feel that, are, are you making a change in the party? Do you feel there's been a change in the party since you guys have taken control? Well, I mean, obviously there, there needs to be a change if we're, if we're not having the results that we, uh, that, you know, that, that we want to have. If we're, if we're losing elections and we've been ultimately feeling we're getting a government that's not listening to the people of West Virginia and a government that's you know, not fighting for working people, then we have to change what we're doing. And I don't think it has necessarily an, you know, an old 
school or a new school or uh, the, so I think we need to you know all work together. We have a, a huge task ahead of us, and we've got to keep fighting because the people of West Virginia uh, deserve a strong Democratic Party that's going to fight for their values. Mike, uh, the last time we talked about the governor's race, the names being bandied about Steve Williams and uh, Ben Salango, or at least have publicly said maybe. That's the best I think we get. Are there other names being bandied about privately that we haven't heard? Uh, for the governor's race? Yes. I think you're, we're going to hear an announcement in the in the near future uh, of a candidate for governor, of course, uh, and, and for candidates for you know, the entire Board of Public Works and for our, our congressional offices and, and down to the legislative level, down to the county level. Uh, we're working on, uh, on um, you know, uh, implementing a, a real very detailed statewide recruitment plan, and we're going to put up a fight in every single race. That's our goal. Our you know, goal is to put up a fight in every race. I'm, I am old enough to remember and have been a reporter long enough to have covered the state when the Democrats controlled it, and also when the Republican Party began to begin its rise now to dominance. And the first thing that was done, but I lose track of time, 15 years ago, whatever, was to say, we're going to put somebody on every ballot. There's going to be a race in every election. We're, we can't just sit and let the, at that time, let the Democrats just have their say. Now the tables are turned. So what you're saying is that the beginning of this, at least, is trying to get people on the ballot for as many offices as you possibly can. Yeah. I mean, we've I'm, actually, I've looked at what the... Uh some of the you know what the Republicans were doing back in the in the eighties and nineties and early two thousands and they they made a very a concerted effort to contest every single race. That's the goal. That's what we're shooting for. Um, but you know you're not going to win a race if you don't have somebody in it. Yeah. And uh, so we're we're working on, on on that now, having the conversations, having a lot of good conversations. I said you know, there's more to come. Mike, uh, we'll be talking a lot in the future, I'm sure, uh, as time goes by. So appreciate your time today. Uh, be in touch with us anytime we need to chat about something, and I'll talk to you again pretty soon. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate, appreciate it. Mike Pushkin, who is the uh, State Democratic Party chairman in West Virginia. He is, if you look at his um, uh, Twitter account, here's how he describes himself. Folk singer, cab driver, union representative, House of Delegates member and chair of the Democratic Party. Puts folk singer up there up, up front. We learned a lot about Mike uh, this morning, Howard, and I loved his response when you you asked him, well, Mike, why why should you care? Well, he told you why you should care, Howard. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we, we you and I have spent, with all of our uh, statewide reporter teammates, months and months and months to the point that we get criticized for it, talking about Governor Justice and Alex Mooney and the, what, five, six Republicans running for the governor's race and so on. And in that, there's just, 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 just no mention of all Democrats. Yeah, and you know what? I think it would be a plus-plus for the Democratic Party if, if J.J., which I don't want this to happen, you know, if J.J. has problems, and that helps them, and it would certainly help Joe Manchin, but he has to get by Mooney. And listening to Mike, Mike seemed like he wanted to pump up Mr. Mooney as much or maybe even more than Mr. Manchin. Certainly not trying to read into anything and i have not talked to mike off the air about this particular issue i i think what i think what the democratic party would like to see is mooney be the nominee assuming that mansion is going to run as you and i have talked often uh, justice is going to be a harder candidate to beat 
Uh, maybe he's beatable. I'm not going to say he's, he's unbeatable, but he's going to be harder to beat. I think, so I think what you're hearing here is all this criticism of justice, very well-founded, but I think it's in order to try to get Mooney to be the nominee. And, Howard, you would know much, much better than me. Wouldn't it be really hard for a chairman to praise anybody that has switched parties, that said, you know what, I don't like you guys, I'm going over here? Well, you can't do that, that's for sure, although it's not – Well, a lot depends, I guess, on what Manchin does. If, if Manchin is going to be the nominee of the Democratic Party, if he chooses to run and he's running and nobody is running against him, I'm not sure but what it may not behoove Democrats. This has happened many times in the past where Democrats change their affiliation for the primary so they can vote against the person they think would be the, hard, the better candidate to beat. I, I, now, Mike kind of really specifically disavowed that idea. But I, I wouldn't be surprised at that. You see a lot of Democrats saying, I'll tell you what, I got Manchin, I got Mooney. I think we can beat Mooney better than Manchin. Or maybe the other way around, but that's what I think. I'm going to switch just for the primary. I'll go and I'll vote in the Republican primary. I'm going to try and get Manchin uh, to, to have a matchup with Mooney and not with Justice. Then you switch back come the fall. That's a tangled web, Howard. It, it's called, you know what that's called, Bob? It's confusing. Politics. Ah. Politics. 842, 18 to the hour. Taylor Long has no politics tour, simply the news.